This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. Well, it's great to worship with you this morning. Is that great or what? Man, I love what happens in a room like this when people just sing all out, like let your neighbor hear you. But just because you're singing loud this morning doesn't mean you have rhythm. Okay? Um, I used to be in a band back when I was in high school. It was a, a scriptural band. It came out of scripture. Clear as Mud. Uh, Clear as Mud Band. All right? I don't know why we named it that, but we thought we were cool. All right? Um, and what I quickly realized was the band didn't last long for me because, yeah, I played a lot of music at home by myself, but I had never really played a lot of music with other people. And I quickly learned that I don't have much rhythm. Uh, and it takes rhythm, everybody knows, to have good music, right? Good music takes great rhythm. Uh, we find rhythm applies to all areas of our life. It's not just music. It happens in working out too, right? Which is why I'm not cut, okay? Um, it takes a rhythm, a discipline to, to daily wake up and go to the gym or monthly or yearly. Or I, I don't know why I'm still paying for that membership, by the way. I, I don't know, but it takes rhythm, which is why uh, uh, several months ago, I was in the, uh, the break room eating dinner one night and uh, one of our staff kids was in there and he's about nine years old and, and he came over and I was kind of messing with him and I just kind of jabbed him right in the gut and I thought, whoa, that kid's got some abs. I said, I said, Davis, you got some abs. And he goes, what are abs? And I said, well, well, that's muscle. Like you got a lot of muscle in there. And with the honesty that only a child can do, they, they, he looked at me and he said, do you have abs? I looked at him and I said, no, Davis, I have an ab. Um, obviously, the rhythm of my life has prevented me from gaining abs. We find that rhythm plays a part in every area of our life. It's not just working out. It's the rhythm of our life, the rhythm of our calendars. How many of y'all know there are seasons where your calendar gets thrown out of whack? And if you can't find the right rhythm, sync up with your spouse or sync up with your family and find a rhythm that works for y'all, eventually all the peace that used to be in the house goes flying out the window in exchange for chaos. That's because rhythm matters in your calendar. Rhythm matters in your job. You remember the first day on the job? You remember your boss downloading like a fire hydrant all the stuff you were gonna have to do and going home and telling your spouse, I don't know if I can do all this. Or as, as a student, you remember going to the first day of class and you remember all the things they told you you were gonna have to do and just that feeling of being overwhelmed and the chaos that ensued. And then a couple weeks in, you found your rhythm. And when you find your rhythm, everything changes. If that's true in all these other areas of our life, how much more true is it even of our heart? You see, our heart has a rhythm to it. And if you're breathing right now this morning, go ahead, check your pulse. All right, there's a few of you, okay? Uh, if you're breathing this morning, your heart has a rhythm to it. And what we find is that rhythm is actually very important. If it beats too fast, you're gonna have a problem. If it doesn't beat fast enough, you're gonna have a problem. And what we find is there in the middle lies a balance of a rhythm that takes to live a healthy life. Which is why when you go to the doctor, they ask you 50 million questions. You know that, check the box. Do you feel this? Do you, and it's all these words you don't even understand, right? And so um, I, I remember, you know, you're going in and you're doing a check on your heart. And, and, and then it's kind of like those commercials that say, you know, uh, side effects may include da 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 da, -da and death. And you're like, oh, what? If we don't find the rhythm of our life, our rhythm of our heart, eventually doctors tell us there can be some problems that come up 
along the way. The rhythm of our heart matters, which is why I've been to the hospital three times in my life. And the very first thing they did when I went to the hospital was the very first thing they did at any hospital I ever went to and every time I went. First time I went to the hospital because I got stung by a bee. I know what you're thinking, that's super manly. No, it's not. I blew up like a balloon. I'm sipping Benadryl through a straw and I walk in. I'm like, I don't know what's happening to me. And the very first thing they do is they put an EKG right on me. Why? Because they want to know the rhythm of my heart. Uh, A little bit more dramatic fashion. Uh, This is a little bit manlier, but uh, uh, senior year of high school, I'm going about my own business. All of a sudden, my right lung blows up, like just you know, dramatic, like, can't breathe, like, like that, okay? So I go to the hospital, and the very first thing they do is what? They put an EKG on. They want to know the rhythm of my heart. I'm like, I don't think you understand. I can't breathe. It's not my heart. I can't breathe, right? But every single time, they put an EKG on. I had a surgery. If you ever had a surgery, the first thing that they want to know the rhythm of your heart. Why? Because the rhythm of your heart matters. They know that the rhythm of your heart is going to affect every other area of your life. There's no way of getting around it. In fact, the Lord knows this is true, which is why in Proverbs 27, 19, he says this, as water reflects the face, so a man's life reflects his heart. As water reflects the face, I mean, harken back here just for a second, Simba looking in the water of the pond, right? Rafiki hits him upside the head. All of a sudden, I know I got a toddler. I do this every time. I just realized this. I shouldn't be telling Disney stories every time I'm up here, but whatever. He's looking in the pond. All of a sudden he sees a reflection. All of a sudden, all of his daddy issues, all the things start flowing up. Realize the the reflection of your face as you can see your reflection in the mirror. So a man's life is determined by the reflection of his heart. What what the writer is telling us is this, that ultimately what goes on in here is going to find its way out here. The things that happen, the rhythms that take place in your heart, you're going to start to see the fruit of whatever that is in your life. Which is why scripture also says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of whatever's going on in the heart, flow the issues of life. The Bible knows, the Lord knows, that your heart matters. And if that's true of your physical heart, how much more true is that of your spiritual heart? You see, your physical heart pumps blood. But in the same way, we have a spiritual heart that actually pumps our faith, builds our faith and strengthens us so that as we go about and find the issues of life, we know that ultimately the the root of some of the problems that we're facing, the only way to, to tackle it or deal with it is to go to the depths of our heart and figure out what's going on inside of there. So as we talk this morning, I want to challenge us all. I've woken up every, uh, the last couple of weeks and I've just had this burden on my heart. I felt like the Lord is asking me, Clayton, how is your faith doing? Because sometimes we think our faith is strong and then something comes out of nowhere and we're like, what, where did that come from? Sometimes we feel like, you know, we got things figured out and, and it just didn't pan out the way we had hoped and, and we have to go back and take an inventory. How is our heart of faith doing? This is why I love the passage of scripture in Luke chapter 22, because it reminds me that I'm not alone in this. In Luke chapter 22, uh, Jesus is talking to Peter. He's telling Peter, Simon, he's saying, you're about to deny me three times. You may think things are strong for you, but you haven't got those quite all figured out. There's some things I need to instill inside of your faith that you're going to need for the journey ahead. And here's what it says in Luke chapter 22. Jesus says, Simon, Simon, Behold, this is strong. Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. But listen to this. But I, Jesus, have prayed for you that your faith not fail. I love that passage. 
Satan has demanded to have me so that he might sift me as wheat. Some of y'all could raise your hand and testify and say, sometimes the things in my life, I look at the stuff that's going on and I'm like, yep, Satan's demanding to have me. He's sifting me. I can feel it. But you know what I love about that passage? It says, but Jesus prayed for him that his faith may not fail. I don't know about you. You want Jesus on your prayer team? <laughs> if you want somebody on your prayer team, it says in Hebrews that Jesus is our great high priest, our intercessor. He prays on our behalf. So when you're going through stuff and you feel like your faith is about to fail, you can say, Jesus prayed for me. You back off. <laughs> there is this sense in our heart that when we know that Jesus has prayed for us, it's the strength in our heart to have the faith to continue on in the journey. You see, Peter thought he had what he needed. Jesus, I'm gonna go with you to the grave, Peter says. And Jesus is like, "Uh, buddy, I hate to tell you, but you're not even gonna go to the public square. By this time tomorrow, you're gonna have denied me three times. And I think it's an encouraging message, not a condemning message. It's an encouraging message from Jesus to Peter saying, I'm gonna put some faith inside of you that you're gonna need for the journey ahead. And if I'm honest with myself, I will admit there are times and seasons of my life where my rhythm gets off. Some disciplines go out the window. COVID threw everything up in the air, throwing you and your family in your household every day for days on end. Your rhythms get messed up. And what I found in my own life is this, that when my rhythm of faith gets off balance, I start to see the effects in my life taking my life in directions that I don't want to go. And so I I remember a time in my life when I was about 23, 24 years old. It was the second youth ministry I'd ever been a part of. And I remember I was working at this church and I loved my job. I mean, who wouldn't love shaving, creaming kids in the face and, you know, doing messy games? It was a great job. I loved preaching. I loved everything that I was doing. One day I sat in a worship service and an 80 year old man started to come up to the service and they were going to have him speak. And now you got to mind me here for just a minute. I'm in youth. We move fast. There is no moving slow. And I'm thinking, okay, let's go. We got stuff to do. Like, come on, we got, and I'll never forget the Lord corrected me in my heart in that moment. And I realized that as that 80 year old man stood up there and talked very slowly, there was something that he had in here that I had not yet gotten. And I remember watching him and I remember just hearing his story of faith and the Lord just laid it on my heart. Clayton, there are some things you're going to need in your faith in order to make it to the end. And for me, it was just a word in that moment. You know, you've you've experienced some of that in your life where you felt like, I know the Lord is talking to me right now. I may be in a room full of thousands of people, but the Holy Spirit has the ability to speak directly to your heart in this moment. And that was one of those moments for me. And in that moment, I knew some things in my life were going to have to change. I knew that at 24 years of old, I just had like this flash of my future thinking, if I continue in this rhythm of faith, I won't make it. That would be the last thing that I would want. I love what Pastor Allen was teaching on a couple of weeks ago. It's not how you start, it's how you finish. The joy is in the reward at the end. But like so many of us, we often can experience either the mountaintop or the mountain lows. The mountaintop to the bottom. And I woke up one day and I realized I'm tired of riding the roller coaster. I'm tired of it being great when it's great and bad when it's bad. I want to find a rhythm to my faith that will help me day in and day out. The only place I know to look oftentimes is people who have gone before you. 
There are people of faith who you look at their faith and you say, I want what it is that they have. In Romans, it talks about Abraham being a father of faith, that we can walk in his footsteps the way that he did. And in in Genesis chapter 12, we read the story, the very beginning of the Bible, of a guy named Abram. God changed his name later to Abraham, but Abraham was called by God and he faithfully obeyed everything that God was calling him to do. But what amazes me the most about Abraham is not that he was the guy who got selected out of all the people in history to receive the blessing and the promise that God was going to continue to fulfill for thousands of years, for all of eternity to come. What amazes me the most about Abraham's story is what's written beyond the text. It's what Abraham did with what he had received. It's the strength that he had about his heart to finish what he had started. And we read in Genesis chapter 12, here's the story of Abraham. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred to your father's house and from your father's house to the land that I'm going to show you. He's asking Abraham to move. He's asking Abraham to leave the town that he was from and I will make a great nation and I will bless you and I'll make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. You and I are blessed today because of the promise given to Abraham thousands of years ago. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. I love this story, but it's not what we just read, it's what we haven't read yet. See, oftentimes the Lord starts something and we get the pleasure and the enjoyment and the responsibility of continuing to walk it out. It sounds great. Most people get caught up with what he says. Abraham, I'm gonna bless you. Your name is gonna be great. People are gonna be blessed because of you. The church for all of eternity is going to look back and and hearken upon this moment in time when the Lord said, I'm up to something and I'm gonna do it through Abraham. But that's not the gist of it. You see, what it says there is that Abram was 75 years old when he left. Not only was he obedient, but at 75 years, this is not a 20-year-old moving out of mom's house going to figure out life on his own. This is a man who was established in his ways, a man who had a family, who had systems and rhythms going in his own life, but yet he was so obedient to the voice of the Lord that he knew his rhythm was not where he was living, His rhythm was listening and being obedient to the voice of God in his life. So it says that Abraham packed up his stuff, convinced his wife, we're going to go live in some tents for a while, honey. And they went. But here's where it lies. See, Abraham lived to 175 years old. He got the promise when he was 75. The beauty of this passage is the fact that for 100 years, Sorry, but longer than most of us will ever be alive. For 100 years, not only was Abraham breathing and living, he was living by his faith. 100 years, start to finish, he finished strong. Thousands of years later, we're reading about a guy in the Bible named Abraham, who because of his faith, because his faith did not fail, we get to reap the benefits of that faith. The time, the discipline, the rhythm of the faith. If you're anything like me, you're asking, how does a person do that? Because it's one thing to stand up here and say, you know, have faith. Yeah, let's go. But it's another altogether. When you walk into Monday morning, you find a world of problems to deal with. 
It's another altogether when things in your family are getting a little bit disoriented. It's another altogether when you find the rhythms of your relationships begin to fall apart and you have to figure out how can I keep my faith in the midst of all of this stuff? And it's, that's the challenge that we're faced with. So there's some things that Abraham did that I wanna share with you this morning. We read about it, it's written about him hundreds of years later in the book called Hebrews. And here's what it says in Hebrews chapter 11 about Abraham. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. He obeyed. And he went out not knowing where he was going, but by faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. How did Abraham have a rhythm of faith? He looked forward. I love what this passage says about Abraham. It doesn't say that Abraham was looking at where he was. It didn't say that Abraham was looking at his stuff. It didn't say that Abraham was looking at his problems. It says that Abraham looked forward to the city that God was building. And guess what? In his hundred years of faith, he didn't get to see the fulfillment of that city. And yet he stayed strong in his faith, believing and convinced that God was a builder and God was a designer and God was doing some things behind the scene that though he may never see it with his physical eyes in that moment, he would see it one day. And that faith came from a place of looking forward. Can I tell you this morning, you strengthen your faith, you find the rhythm of your faith in the direction of your eyes. Your faith is determined by the direction of your eyes. Where are you looking? Um, it reminds me, I, I, I encouraged him before he came out, but now I'm gonna put him on blast, okay? Uh, Chris Fox. Um, in youth ministry, we get to do some fun things with teenagers. You know, we get to have events and that kind of stuff. We're always looking for new fun ideas. So one day we went downtown and there was an event rental facility and they had this stuff that you can rent and, and they had this thing called virtual reality and they brought it out and they wanted to show it to us and how it worked. Maybe our teenagers would wanna do it. And so we walked into the room and he laid a two by four on the ground. And he said, I wanna know which of the most manly men in the room can confidently walk across this two by four. Chris Fox volunteered. I got this, I got this. And he got up on the two by four, which is standing on the ground and he walked across confidently knowing I got this, I got this. And then the, the guy took a virtual reality headset and he put it on Chris and he put it over his eyes. It goes over your eyes and you can see uh, like video game system and this whole thing. And, and the second he put it on, all of a sudden, Chris was now seeing himself in an elevator. And this elevator was going up floor after floor after floor, 98, 99, 100, and the elevator doors open. And when those elevator doors open, they don't open out onto the floor, they open out on a city skyscape. And so you are 100 floors up looking down. And out in front of you is a pole, and you are supposed to walk this pole over the city road a hundred stories in the air. Can I tell you what would make a grown man cry? <laughs> that man who confidently walked that two by four two whole inches off the ground was now wobbling and crying and whimpering because he doesn't like heights. <laughs> Can I tell you something about that? You see, his reality didn't change. He was still two inches off of the ground, but his perception of reality determined a lot about what was going on in that moment. 
can I tell us the same thing is true for us in our lives? Oftentimes, the direction we're looking gives us the perception that maybe God's not up to anything in my life anymore. The perception that we can, we can come up with is these problems are too much. I'm never going to get out of this mess. But can I tell you, life is a matter of focus. And where you look is where you're going to go. I love, I love this. In Philippians chapter three, it says this. It says in verse 13, one thing I do, if it, above all else, if there's gonna be one thing that I do, Paul says, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna forget what lies behind and I'm going to strain forward, look forward to what lies ahead. I'm going to press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you, by the way, only let us hold true. Let us hold fast to what we have attained. I love what he's saying. I'm going to strain forward to what lies ahead. My focus is on where I'm going. My focus is on what God is doing. How do you set the rhythm of your faith? You set the rhythm of your faith in motion by the direction of your eyes. Where are you looking? Are you looking forward? I don't have to tell you that there are enough things in this world to cause our eyes to be distracted. And I'm not just talking about our physical eyes, what we can see in the natural. I'm talking about things that go on deep, directions of our heart that lean in certain directions. Uh, it's kind of like this. Pastor Alan always does a parent tip. Um, I have two under two, so uh, I just, I don't know nothing, all right? Um, but I have worked with teenagers as a youth pastor for about 14 years. And can I tell you something for all you parents in the room? I, I, after about 15 minutes of a teenager coming into my office, I've kind of finally gotten to the point where they can sit down and talk about their life for about 15 minutes. And at the end of that 15 minutes, not any doing of my own, but just out of experience and out of the Holy Spirit just kind of leading us, you're able to look at that teenager and we could tell you what the end of their high school career is gonna look like. Why? Because of the direction of their eyes. Where is their attention focused? Parents, if you want to get in and dive into the deep work, the hard work of, of molding and shaping your students, your children to walk in the ways of the Lord, I just want to challenge you with this tip right here. Start looking for the things that your kids are looking at. What captivates their attention? What grabs them? What, what are they focused on all of the time? Because oftentimes what you can tell is the direction that they're looking. You'll look back a few years later and you'll say, this is where they have ended up. Why? Because life is a matter of focus and a matter of direction. So for you this morning, what do you do? If you want to strengthen your faith and find rhythm, it's time to start looking forward to the things that God has ahead of you. Well, why, how do you know what that is? His word is full, full of promises and encouragement and life-giving scriptures that tell you about what is to come. You see, you hop on the news in the morning. I'm so guilty. I have to, I have to scale back. I have to change my rhythm. You can hop on the news in the morning and all you do is read of things that have happened. And oftentimes, they're so negative that it can point you or bend you in a direction that you don't actually want your life to go. To make matters worse, they found algorithms that will point you in directions they think you want to go. How much more in our life would we find strength in our faith if we start looking at the promises, the encouragement, the, the futuristic things that God is building and doing? Abraham sustained his faith for a hundred plus years. Why? 
because he was looking forward to what God was up to. If you're going through some stuff this morning, can I tell you? Yes, you may be going through some stuff, but I'm looking forward to how God will help me. If you have some sickness in your life right now, guess what? You can start looking forward to the day that God is going to bring healing into your life. If you're dealing with anxiety and fear and stress in a way that you've never experienced it before, all you have to do is start looking to a God who can give you peace. A God who says, my kingdom on heaven, as, on earth as it is in heaven, things start to change. You start looking at what he's doing, not what you're seeing with your physical eyes. Start looking forward to what God is up to in your life and in your family. And can I give you a side note for just a moment? Because I believe there are probably some people in the room right now who feel like God's not up to anything in my life. You don't know the things that I've done, the places that I've been. You don't know the things that I've said. You don't know the track record of the rhythm of my life and where it has got me. But can I tell you, if it's true for them and it's true for me, it is true for you in your life. That is the beautiful part about scripture, that we all have the same promise, that when we look forward to the things that God is doing, we can experience it. We will experience it and see it in our own lives. Thank you, Lord. I love in Hebrews 12... He says, I am looking forward to Jesus, the author and perfecter of my faith. If you have nowhere to look right now, if you have nowhere to turn, you're not sure the direction to head, can I tell you, start looking to Jesus. Find it in the rhythm of your everyday life. You're putting on some music in your car that leads you to Jesus. You're playing some messages. You're, you're in the scriptures. What are you doing? You're directing your attention and your direction to the one who can do something about the things in your life. The second part about all this is this. The rhythm of your faith is determined by your deepest desires. If you want to strengthen the rhythm of your faith, then sometimes what we realize is we have to change some of our desires. I had a problem with Bluebell ice cream. Every time it was in my refrigerator, I would consume the whole thing in about three or four days. Why? Because it was there. Why? Because I desired it. You see, our desires can lead us in one direction or the other. And here's what Paul, or here's what they say in Hebrews about Abraham and how he maintained his faith. It says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse eight through 10, by, uh, sorry, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 15. If they had been thinking of the land from which they had gone out, they would have had the opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. You see, it says about Abraham, one of the ways that he found the rhythm and the strength to press on was determined by the fact that he was looking in the right direction. He didn't turn back. And the Bible says that if he had turned back, he would have found an opportunity to go back. The greatest challenge that we face sometimes is not what's out in front. It's, it's resisting the urge to turn back to the desires we once had, to the life we used to live, to the old ways, old rhythms of life. You could be 60 in the room. Have you ever gone back to some family, gone back to a high school reunion? All of a sudden, your old self just came right out the closet. You start, where, where did this come from? You see, in human nature, it's so easy to turn back to the way things were. But it says Abraham did not look back about where he came from because if he did, he would have turned back. It reminds me of that old song. You can sing it with me here for just a minute. I have decided to follow Jesus. 
I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning, no turning, right? Simple old song. I sang it at my granny's church. I've woke up with that song on my heart every day for the last two weeks. Why? Because I don't want my faith to turn back when it gets hard. I don't want my faith to turn back because it's the easy or convenient thing to do. But the way we have to monitor that and watch that is we have to watch our desires. It reminds me of what I'm now calling the lunchbox principle. Every day I take my two-year-old home from work. She insists upon carrying her lunchbox. And as she carries her lunchbox, it's no big deal until we get to the car where an all-out war ensues over who's going to hold that lunchbox. Because what she knows and what I know that is inside of that lunchbox are some contents of some leftover, smushed up, nasty old PB&J. Chocolate chip cookies, yogurt, all kinds of things in that lunchbox. And so eventually she wins because she is so cute. I'm sorry. So I give her the lunchbox and I give her one rule. I say, don't touch what's in that lunchbox. So she does well for a little while, you know? She's two, okay, people? And she holds it and she looks at it. And I look in the mirror and she's just back there staring at it. A few minutes go by and I'll look out again and she's got one hand inside of there. I'll say, Emmy, you're not touching the snacks. No, daddy, no. Emmy, you're not eating. Yeah, there's chocolate in her hair. Why? Because she's looking at it. See, when we're looking at the things that we desire, it makes it so hard to resist. And what he's saying right here about Abraham's faith is this. He knew that if he looked back, he might start to desire some things that would give him an opportunity to go to places he didn't want to go. Can I tell you this morning, if you're wrestling with some sin, you're trying to get it out of your life, but it feels like that's the focus of your life and it just doesn't go away. Can I tell you, it's time to shift our desires. If you want more of God, can I tell you, it's time to shift your desires. We all have some desires from time to time that creep in. And here's what it says in James chapter one. I love it. It's a very simple explanation of sin. It says, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. We got any fishermen in the room? Yeah, not me. Um, Okay, one of you. Yeah, you're real proud of it too. Um, I've been fishing a million times and never caught a single thing. I blame the lure all the time. I blame the weather. I blame a lot of things. But if you were to catch a fish and that fish could talk and that fish starts talking to you and that fish came out of the water and said, that doggone lure, it just hooked me. It's got me tangled up. I'm... The lure is not the problem. According to James, the lure is not the problem. When, when I go fishing, my lure is not my problem. You know what my problem is? The fish's desire to bite my hook. You see, if that fish is not hungry for what I'm given, then I'm not gonna catch anything. But if he is, it will catch him up. And that's what the Lord says about sin in our life. What happens is this. Our desires begin to create rhythms that we begin to feed that can lead to sin. And the Bible ultimately says sin is not your problem. Death is. And Jesus came to give you life. How do you build a rhythm to your faith like Abraham? 
How do you see some of those opportunities to go the wrong direction, walk out the door? How do you close the door on that stuff in your life? You allow the Lord to start to shift the desires of your heart because when you desire him above all else, when you want him more than you want anything else in your life, things begin to shift and change. I noticed it in my own life this week. There were some rhythms. I had fallen aside. We had been sick for a few days. There were some things going on. Life was busy. We have a newborn in our house. All this stuff, I had some rhythms that got off. And I realized there are some things creeping into my life that I'm wanting more than I want God right now. I wouldn't care to admit that most of the time. But if you looked at the rhythms of my life, you would see what I care about the most. When we look at our finances, when we look at the things we talk about, when we look about the things, the priorities that we have in our life, it will tell us where our desires lie. And the Lord says this with such love and grace. Above all else, if you desire me, I'll walk with you. I'll strengthen your faith. You will find a rhythm that will make it to the end. You don't have to turn back to who you were. You don't have to go back to where you're coming from, but you're gonna need the Lord in the way that only he can to help you shift the desires of your heart. I'm not going back. I don't know about you, but when I think about this, there is a bit of encouragement. At the same time, this is not a word of condemnation for anybody in this room this morning, but if we're honest, there are times we've all turned back. If we're honest with ourselves in this moment, there's probably a lot of people in this room who have made the decision to turn back. You didn't want to turn back, but you just found you're walking right back where you came from. And you want to know how to change and you want to know how to shift and you want to know how to get out of that place. Can I tell you that right now you can make a decision in your life to say, I am not turning back. When those opportunities present themselves, I will refuse to go in that direction because what God has ahead of me is way better than anything that's ever been behind me. I am going forward, not backward. And when you think about it, Jesus said this to Peter. He said, Peter, I'm praying for you that your faith not fail. Some of you in this room feel like you've fallen off the cliff. Can I tell you, Jesus has prayed for you. Some of you in this room feel like you are way too far gone, but can I tell you that Jesus has prayed for you. Some of you feel like there is no coming back, but can I tell you that Jesus has prayed for you. And what did he pray? (laughs) That your faith not fail. You know what I love about God? He never asked you to do something. He's not willing to help give you the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit to do in your life, which means this. If you've turned back, you can turn back again. He says to Peter, he says, Peter, I'm praying for you that your faith not fail, but here's what I already know, Peter. You're gonna deny me three times. The very next words, you know what he says? The very next words, he says, but when you have turned back, go strengthen your brothers. Peter, when you get to the end of the rope and you come back to me and you shift your focus and you shift your desires in the direction of your life, I have a job for you to do. Go strengthen your brothers. And Peter was the guy who stood up with all boldness and all strength of faith. In the early church, things began to happen and change and shift. We have never seen anything like it. Why? Because God was willing to have faith and believe through Jesus Christ saying to Peter, I know you're gonna come back. Some of you need to hear an encouraging word this morning and that is this, no turning back. God has prayed for you and he cares about your life. The direction you're headed 
is good. The things that are in store for you ahead are good. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I love the words that Jesus said. I'm looking forward to the words that he said when he said at the end of Revelation, behold, I am coming soon. Which means what I see in front of me is only temporary. The stuff I'm going through today, it may feel like a lot today, but in in perspective of the eternal kingdom of our heavenly father, which is advancing in our world, it will pass away because Jesus is coming back. If you're in this room this morning and you've turned from following him, and right now you're sensing the Lord is calling you, I believe there are people in this room right now, God is calling you to come back. You can do it. All you have to do is say yes to him. If that's you in this morning, nobody's looking around. We're not gonna call you out or embarrass you in any way. Would you slip your hand up in the room? We wanna pray for God to strengthen and embolden your faith. Thank you, we see your hands all over the room. If that's you, you're ready to turn back. You're saying, I'm not going in that direction. Thank you. We're gonna pray for you. And if you've never made the decision to say yes to Jesus, it's the greatest decision you could ever make. Your faith gets strong. And when your faith, your heart gets strong, your life gets strong. And if that's you this morning, you've never said yes to him and you wanna say yes to him, maybe for the first time, would you slip up your hands because we wanna pray for you as well. Thank you. Let's pray this together. Dear God, I know mankind needs a savior. And I know that I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and that God raised you from the dead. And so right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you and I'm a new creation in Christ because I said yes to you. Thank you, Jesus. If you prayed that prayer right now, we are so proud of you. That is one of the greatest prayers you could ever pray in your whole life. Let's pray right now for every person in the room. Lord, we thank you that you are working a strength into our faith right now. We thank you that our faith will not fail because you are faithful. And though we may stumble, we will not fall because you uphold us by your righteous right hand. So I pray for every person who walks out of these doors today that they would know that the strength of God is walking with them into their Monday, into their problems, into their sickness, into whatever is going on in their life. They know that the Lord is working a strength in their faith and they will make it because you are good. We love you. We're grateful for all you're doing. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.